So welcome back to Big Fish Little Pod. Today we're going to talk, I think, to all of us in some degree, but but in a larger degree to anyone who lays awake at night and worries or who wakes up in the day and doesn't want to get out of bed because they're anxious about doing things right or what might go wrong or or anyone who has their life controlled by fears no matter how real or unreal the that seems so we're going to talk about worry and anxiety and fear today if we look to the scriptures we hear Jesus saying don't worry as part of his sermon on the mount the first sermon that he preaches to lay the foundation uh, of of his philosophy he says, don't worry. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you're going to put on. Don't worry about tomorrow. It's all in God's hands. Don't worry. And we can turn to Philippians and and hear it say, be anxious about nothing. Be anxious about nothing. But if you're worried about something, or if you're anxious about something, what happens when somebody says to you, oh, don't worry about that, <laughs> or you shouldn't be anxious? What happens, Amy? Yeah, it just makes it way worse. <laughs> it makes it worse, right? Yeah. You either get more anxious and worried, or you get agitated as well as anxious or worried, or you feel like you have to hide that. Yeah. Because a good, capable person wouldn't worry or be anxious. And so those responses aren't any good. You know, it doesn't do any good for someone to say to me, Bob, don't worry about that after I've already told them I'm worried about that. It just makes it worse. So I'm pretty sure Jesus didn't mean to make things worse. I think Jesus meant to be helpful. Let's let's continue to take a look at at what don't worry don't be anxious means in 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 God's mind and for me the best story to look at is to go back to the old testament um, to a story that i think most people know even if they've never picked up the bible um, the story of david and goliath david was a young man between 12 and 16, probably. And he got himself in a position where he was going to fight this giant of a man. He was fighting, the the Israelites were fighting against the Philistines, and whoever won this one-on-one battle would win the war, and the other other country would, would leave and leave control to the victor. So David answered the call and went out to do battle, and the king tried to put his armor on David, but David said, I'm too small. This armor is going to make it worse for me. So David went out without armor and with a slingshot, because as a shepherd boy, that's the weapon that he knew best. So he had five little stones and a slingshot. This giant of a man. The scripture tells us he was nine foot six inches tall, and he had a shield that was taller than David and a spear that was nine feet tall. And you can just 
picture it. And and if Steven Spielberg were doing the movie, I'm sure he would have the son behind Goliath. So David came out, you know, with as much confidence as he could to the battlefield. And then Goliath appears and actually blocks out the sun in David's view. And David's just captured in in darkness and you can feel that darkness well up not only outside of david but inside of david as anxiety and worry and fear covers our vision and wells up inside of each one of us and david shares with us i think the truth so that we can understand what it means to not be afraid So David says, Goliath, you come here with armor and spear and sword and your giant size, and that makes me afraid. But I come here in the name of the Lord. And for David, what that meant, again, the shepherd boy who used to spend his time laying down and looking up at the stars, the God who made all of that also knows me and is with me. When we're feeling anxious, we should say, I'm anxious about this. And list what we're anxious about. David listed, I see your sword, I see your spear, I see your shield, I see your army, I see the muscles rippling in your arms. I know you could destroy me. So don't be afraid to say, I'm anxious about this speech. I'm afraid I'm going to make a fool of myself. Or I'm anxious about tomorrow. I, I, I want to have kids, but I don't think I could ever afford them. David says, speak it out. Get it outside of you. And for some therapy that I've gone to, that was enough. I could just put it out in writing. And when I looked at it, I said, oh, I don't have to worry about that. And other times I put it out there in writing. And like David standing before the monster, I would say, oh, no wonder I'm afraid. So David didn't leave it there. David spoke the things that could make him afraid or anxious or worried because it's easier to fight it when it's outside of you than when it's inside of you controlling you. But then he says, but I come in the name of the Lord. Speak the things that you can trust. For David, that was, all right, you come here with all that and that scares me, but I'm not alone here. God's with me. And God created you. And God can bring you down. And God made the people who made your weapons. And God can protect me from those weapons that were created. And David probably went to, and if this is my last day and you destroy me, I'm going to rest in God's arms forever. And that brought peace to David so that he could then concentrate on what he needed to do. It's interesting because you, I, I never understood the David and Goliath story that way. And it's funny because in, in therapy that I've been to in the past, the therapist gave that exact same process. She said, nice. yes, she said that most anxiety is caused from things that are either highly unlikely to occur or incredibly irrational. 
And so the process of writing, she said writing down, but I think speaking out could also work, writing down the fears that you have that are causing the anxiety, that just the process of writing them down and then looking at them will help your mind like reconfigure. Because when you see them outside of your own mind, you will see that they are irrational or unlikely. And so just speaking them out will actually heal quite a few of them. Right. So it makes, yeah, it's, so it's interesting. I just, I never got that tip from David before. <laughs> but it was very much used in my um, in my therapy. So it's nice to see yeah. that. Like, you know, in my spiritual psychology class last semester, the professor was saying like before there were therapists and psychologists, there were monks and priests right. and mystics and medicine women and healers yeah yeah so it makes sense and i think on a as an aside you and i said this before but i just want to get it out in the beginning that you and i are really big supporters of therapy and medication for anxiety or depression or whatever you're going through so as we have this conversation today about anxiety we just want to be really clear and upfront about the fact that we think a relationship with god can help your anxiety but god also created therapists and medication and that can also help anxiety Absolutely. I I have plenty of friends who, if they get on the right chemicals Mm -hmm. to rebalance them, they function perfectly normally, you know, and they're free. I share with them. It's no different than if I break my leg. I need to get a cast to strengthen my leg until it's able to walk on its own. You know, it's no different. It's a physical, it's a physical, you know, tool to help me get better. I was I was doing a wedding meeting yesterday, and on the wall was um, Reiki certifications from this guy. And I said, so where do you do your Reiki? And he says, well, you know, I tried it. I do mm. it for friends now. I don't do it as a living because what I found is people wanted physical, you know, touch. And, you know, and when I was trying it, it was new and people weren't really, you know, ready to pay for that. Mm. And I said to him, yeah, I had a friend that was doing it 20 years ago too. And she actually came to me and asked me if I would go through it with her Mm. because she was a member of my church and the church community was condemning her because she was into other things. And, and I said to her and to him last night, I said, how do we think Jesus healed? sometimes he said it's it's spiritual right. you know and and that's reiki that there's an that's energy reiki. of life force that if you can move around and settle down okay. it brings healing to your body that's funny it's so true yeah so so i believe there's that yeah. and then The other thing that we talk about always is that, you know, I take my car in every 3,000 miles for an oil change because in its normal running, it gets run down and it breaks down. And that's, you know, without the bumps and the bruises of a bad road in New England. So I take it in for its checkup. Well, we need those checkups, too. Yes, yes. You know? Yes. 
And it's not a sickness that no. I go to the therapist for. It's health that I go to the therapist right. for. That right. I'm going through bumps and bruises of life. Yeah. And it helps to talk it out. I've described talk therapy like having getting a trainer at the gym. Yeah. Like you could go yeah. you could go to the gym yourself. You could you could talk it out. You could just meet up with your friends or you could go on a run with your partner. If you want to really hold yourself accountable and you want to make strides maybe faster or further, then it's a really good idea to hire a trainer at the gym because it holds you accountable, it keeps you on schedule, and it keeps you moving. Absolutely. You know? It's not Absolutely. that you're sick and it's not that you're not capable on your own. Yep. It's just an added support that helps you get further faster. Yep. The time in my life that things went so wrong for me that I knew I needed a counselor, you know, not for help, but to fix me, to help me, you know, was when I went through my divorce. Yeah. My life was just so broken yeah. and yeah. scattered and empty, even though there were really important things going on that I needed to hold on to, the people I loved the most. I, I went to my counselor and he said, so why are you here? And I said, well, the immediate thing is I spent an hour and a half looking for my keys um, this morning and they were in my pocket. You know, I'm just not functioning. And by the time we were done in, I think I went for like six yeah. months, maybe eight months. When we were done, the last day I got there and there was nothing for us to talk about. And he said, I think you're ready. I said, OK. I said, when should I come yeah. back? He said, when you're stuck, he says, you've gotten some tools now and you're you're in a good place. Yeah. If you get stuck, come back. Yeah. You know, in the David and Goliath story and in so many aspects of our own lives, there are things that are scary and like the normal, natural things that cause fear that come up and then we can kind of overcome them. Maybe like the first day of right. kindergarten, you know, that is scary. I remember you saying that to me a lot when I was a kid. Like, right. if I felt nervous about something, you would say, like, yeah, well, you do should feel nervous in this situation, you know? And I guess that sounds bad. Not like something bad is going to happen to you. Yeah. But, like, everyone would feel nervous in this situation. You know, you're about to go on stage for the first time and you've never done that. Like, you should feel nervous. So, nervous is a normal reaction to the patient. And so, I think that there is kind of that standard right. level of fear and then there is kind of anxiety which i put into kind of a different camp which i think your therapist was kind of describing which i think often they say like it's clinical anxiety if it's a, a negatively affecting aspects of your life right like if you're struggling at work or you're struggling in your right. home or with your right. hygiene or things like that right and and i think the challenge of anxiety right. is that it can feel like it's harder to overcome because there's not an actual giant in the room. That giant is made up. Yeah. And so David, you know, when you went through his options, he was either going to be protected by God, he was either going to use the skills God gave him to win, or he was going to lose and he was going to die and he was going to go back and be with God. But if the giant isn't actually there, then the anxiety never comes to an end. Because there's no positive or negative outcome. The anxiety just kind of continues. Okay. You know? Is I when we were talking about doing this section, I said I'm at a little disadvantage 
because I do have worries. I do have fears. I'm not sure I've ever experienced anxiety unless I go back to childhood when there was a purple monster in my closet. Mm -hmm. And no matter how many people told me that it wasn't real, I knew that they just couldn't see it. You know, it was real. And I guess I'm going to go out on a limb here because I don't, I don't know mm-hmm. firsthand the anxiety that I know secondhand. I've walked with people through anxiety um, and I've seen how it controls them. And y- you can't convince me that it's not real because it is real mm-hmm. for them. When you're feeling it, it's real. Right. And for anyone to tell me that it's not real right. just leaves me alone to fight it because nobody believes me. Right. Well, yes, yes. You know? And what they say is that um, anxiety, it's almost always based on a little bit of truth. Right. <laughs> so that's part of its kind of manipulative nature. It right. comes from a so like maybe the anxiety, maybe say you have anxiety about money. So the anxiety is like, you actually are overspending your budget and you actually are going into credit card debt, but you're not going to lose your house and your children are all going to be on the street. That's not going to happen. So it takes that little truth of like, oh, we actually overspent our budget this month or, oh, actually we have more credit card debt than we would like. And it amps it up to the point where the response that you're body and mind and emotions and maybe even spirit that we're listening to discuss have is based on oh my god we're gonna be on the streets right. next month we're gonna right. be a homeless shelter next right. month well like my friend who can't walk down the hall past the picture that's not even the mm-hmm. truth is what she learned early on as a child was that if everything wasn't perfect her father would blow up so the truth that she was dealing with if everything's yeah. not in line Bad right. things happen. But I mean, it's it's interesting though, isn't it? Because we don't consider her, I mean, you could, but like we, as a society, we wouldn't in generally, in general, consider her a hero right. for like fixing those, those pictures. But like, what if we found out that actually Goliath was 5'4 <laughs> and actually David just had anxiety? The whole thing is like reframed. And suddenly yeah. we think like, oh, it wasn't this amazing feat that he heroically overcame, but rather yeah. like, what's wrong with David? Like, what's his deal? Right. You know? Right. So I think the social construct right. around it and the pressure and the way to deal with it, you know, David, like, we're still talking about him now, right. you know? Right. But I mean, are we talking about the person who goes to talk therapy and overcomes their anxiety about their financial situation that's just a little bit worse than the average Americans. Right. No, we're, we're not considering them a hero, you know? Oh, I consider them a hero. Well, yeah, I mean, maybe we should. Because my friend that I was talking about, right. and I do consider her a hero, that she finally went and got help for that because she saw that it was affecting her children the way yeah. she had been affected, yeah. you know? So if Goliath was really 5'4", yeah. But he was 9-6 in David's mind. Yeah. Then David still did the right thing mm-hmm. by speaking his fear yeah. and then figuring out what he could trust. I can trust that God is with me. Maybe the answer was, oh, he's 5'4". He's smaller than the bear I took yeah. down the last week. 
you know, or he looks like one of my sheep. This is not a big deal. Or maybe he was nine six, but for a moment, right. David wasn't afraid. He said, I right. can do this thing that I've done all my life to bring this giant down. Mm-hmm. If you have a bad dream and it's like totally affected you when you wake up, the first response that most of us have in trying to help is to say, but it was a dream. So let it go. But if you've had a really bad dream, can you do that? Mm-hmm. You know, if you come to the conclusion that that's the case, you might be able to let it go. Yeah. But if somebody tells you that what you're feeling right now is not real, it's real. Yeah. Your feeling is real. Right. You know. So to me, right. one good thing is instead of saying, but it's just a dream, or it's just a, it's just a feeling, it's not real, is to say, what are you feeling? What what are you afraid of? What What's going on? Just get it out of you so we can look at it. As if you swallowed poison, mm-hmm. the best thing is to throw it up, <laughs> you know, to get it out of you. It's funny because I'm thinking what you said, like Jesus said, do not worry. And it, yeah, like for someone with anxiety, it feels like a slap in the face. It's like, oh, thanks a lot. Right. Okay. I'll right. see you in two lifetimes when I've gotten over that one. And then yeah. I can come back to the rest of the lesson, yeah. right? When we were preparing for this topic, I was talking with a friend and I asked her, did she have anxiety? And she said, yeah, almost every day. And I said, what do you have anxiety about? And she said, I'm worried about disappointing people. And it's funny because I said to her, oh, but you've almost never disappointed me. (laughs) And that was like really upsetting to her because she, because I said you almost never, which meant she had disappointed me. And so when when you were just talking about that, I was thinking, okay, so Jesus would have said, like, do not worry. Yeah. So maybe I should have said to her, like, you've never disappointed me. Like, I should have yeah. just said, you've never disappointed me. But then I was thinking, actually, it's not possible. Right. Like, right. in this world, right. she is going to disappoint me. Right. And she is going to disappoint many people. Right. That's the reality of this right. world. And. And that's where I think we need to relook at scripture like you you reheard the David story today. Because Jesus says don't worry, yeah. but then he says he goes into this whole diatribe of God who cares about the little birds that are flying around. He knows when each one drops. Of course he knows what you're experiencing. Right. I think we focus on that first couple words, don't worry, and we miss Jesus saying, you can trust God. Trust, trust God. So get it out of you so you can look at it and then say, okay, what can I trust God? And if if God's not a part of your thought process and your life, um, I would always encourage you to open up and try to consider that. But if it's if God's not, then so what can I trust here? Yeah. And I would encourage you to come up with three things that you can trust. Mm -hmm. So give us an example, Amy. What's something you're anxious about? Uh, Actually, I I would say most of my anxiety comes from social anxiety. Okay. Um, I went to a birthday lunch on Saturday with people that I know. And I felt anxious before I walked into the restaurant. So what were you anxious about? That I would say the wrong thing, that I would look stupid, that... 
I would be too loud. I when I was a child, I always got like bad marks on my report card because I like talked too much and I was too loud. I had friends who told me like I needed to be quiet, like I was too big and too much. And I think as an adult, I'm not like that so much, but I have fears from like kind of feeling ostracized sometimes as a child that I will come off that way as an adult. Okay. So what can you trust? Yeah, I think one thing actually that's helped me in my social anxiety is my husband. Yeah. Because we are really a team, like in all areas. And so when I go into those social environments and he's with me, I feel better because I feel like I can kind of, he doesn't have that feeling. He doesn't have anxiety about those those experiences. So I can kind of lean into him. Yeah. And it kind of helps me calm down. So I think, yeah, I think in those situations, like it was helpful for me on Saturday because I knew he was, he would be there. We were going to walk in together. Okay. So having him there is one thing. Yeah. So give me two more. I think if I'm doing my practice of prayer and devotionals, meditation outside of those high tension environments, then I know that I'm loved by God. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's almost like strengthening a muscle so that then when you're at work, you can use that muscle. Right. right? Like, so I think, yeah, I think that's like my relationship with God is a place that I can hold on to, especially if I've been doing my practice. Okay. So, so you're walking in with your husband who has a certain amount of peace with him in that situation and you can lean on. I'd like that you even said I can lean into. Mm -hmm. You have God who provides you with the security of knowing that you're loved. Mm -hmm. Now give me one more thing that you can trust. Well, I was thinking with that example of my friend too, that she's worried she disappoints people, that actually if you peel back the layers of that, the root is that she actually really cares about those people. Mm -hmm. That like she actually really values strong relationships. And that's why she's worried about disappointing people. Yeah. And so I think it's a similar thing for me. Like the reason why that anxiety comes up is because I actually really cared about the people in that room and I want them in my life and I want to have strong relationships with them. Okay. And so I think kind of using that rather, use, my mind uses it as a threat. Like I can take this away right, from you. Right. But instead actually using that same value as a support. And let's give it a focus so that it becomes stronger for you rather than neutral or against you. Yeah. Instead of, I really value these people and I could lose them if I say something wrong. Right. Let's get the focus of, I really value these people. And if I listen to them, I might be able to give them something precious. Yeah. So my focus is to go into these people that I value to listen to them. Because yeah. my issue in that situation is I always want to come across right and good and funny. Mm-hmm. And that's when I become offensive. If I went into a situation and said, my focus in this group is to listen Mm. and to share what I know God has given me to share, I'm a whole lot different in that group. Interesting. So so now you're walking into a situation which, in reality, 
because you're nervous, you could say or do the wrong thing that would offend somebody and and hurt a relationship that you have with them. That's reality. Right. Instead, you're walking into a group with someone that you can lean into, with a God who has given you a foundation mm-hmm. so that you know you're loved and cared for. You don't have to get any validation when you walk in there. And you can walk mm-hmm. in with the focus of, I'm going to just listen to people and share with them what I know God wants to share with yeah. them. And that, yeah. I think, changes as you walk in. Yeah. It's funny. I mean, this is is quickly becoming my own therapy session. But I mean, even just speaking all that out, it just immediately flashes me back to that moment. You know it in seventh grade when I was out of school for a week and I came back on Monday and I got off out of the car and I walked to my group of friends and five girls just walked away from me. That group of girls just walked away from me. No explanation. No, nobody reached out to me, like nothing. And they just never spoke to me again. And so it's interesting because like, as you were talking me through those questions, like that just came up clear as day to me. And so then instead of feeling frustrated with myself that I have this anxiety or frustrated that I'm, I'm just going to lunch, Amy, with people who love me, I suddenly feel like such sympathy and compassion for that girl. Yeah. So the whole dynamic of the experience changes yeah. like in the present because I'm a 32 year old woman who I can handle myself and I can handle right. if people walk away from me and I'm, I'm capable and I have support around me. And, but that moment as a 12 year old was terrifying. Right. That was, you know, right. but I'm not her anymore. And like, I can kind of protect her and take care of her and yeah. sympathize with her and, and heal her. Yeah. 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 So it also shows that like the anxiety, it also, rather than a problem, it's, it might be offering us opportunities for deep healing that we are kind of ignoring if we don't. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So maybe do not worry. It's not a band-aid. It's a, it's a invitation. Yeah. 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 You know, cause who knows what kind of giants David was going to have to face as the king. Yeah. And the, our experiences are invitations to learn and grow so that we're more prepared for the future. So we encourage you this week, when you're feeling anxious or worried or afraid, to first remember this and speak it. And then come up with three things that you can trust and see if that helps you find some healing and some strength and most of all, peace. so much for listening to this episode of Big Fish Little Pod. We are having such a great time making this podcast and we're really appreciating all of the feedback and input that we get from you. Please comment on the podcast post on my dad's Facebook page or send us an email at bigfishlittlepod at gmail.com. Thanks. See you next time.